Welcome back to basketball. This episode of the Call Big Podcast will be a post-game podcast of the first game back of the Utah Jazz, which is also the first game back in the NBA. And it was a good one if you're a Jazz fan. Talk about Rudy Gobert ending the season and starting it back off again with a bang to score the first points. Yeah, that got me excited. Like he, it, it reminded me of like old school basketball, like early 2000s, when most of the scoring was from your center of power forward backing down. So I was hoping to see more of that, but it, it seemed like the rest of the game for the Jazz was like either driving from guards or shooting threes, which they weren't too great from the three-point line, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, one thing I honestly felt I saw like was just a desire from all the players to be on the floor. I definitely saw a lot more hustle in this game than I feel like I've seen in a long time. There were, what was it? There was almost 30 total offensive rebounds. It was somewhere between, it was like 25 or 20, um, how many was it? Um, This is taking too long. There were 27 total offensive rebounds and I guess I need to compare that to other games, but I feel like that's pretty high for what you see in a typical NBA game right now. Which, yeah, like we'd have to compare it to know exactly like where it ranks, but at least the Jazz weren't shooting great from the three-point line. The Pelicans were doing good, but uh, I, I guess it was a, like a three-point difference. Like the Jazz made eight threes and shot 34 and the Pelicans made 11 and shot 31. So that's that's not like great numbers, but the Jazz were sitting at 23% from the three-point line, which we definitely need to see them improve if they want to keep winning games. Yeah, and I mean, once they were able to start getting into the paint, getting the ball down to Rudy or getting Clarkson, Conley, or Donovan down there, there was definitely a level of improvement and Points in the paint were big. They outscored the Pelicans by eight. But I mean, I think that the biggest part of this game is that the Jazz shot 28 free throws and the Pelicans shot 18. So the Jazz shot 10 more free throws than the Pelicans and they made 11 more. So the Jazz were 24 for 28 and the Pelicans were 13 for 18. Yeah, who, whoever thought that Rudy Gobert would win the game for the Jazz from the free throw line? Well, I had deja vu to the Pelicans game where he lost the game. Well, <laughs> well, didn't lose the game, but had he made two instead of one, I mean, they would have won. But I had a deja vu flashback there, but thankfully, he pulled it off. It, this game was fun because like, I knew I was, we were going to record this podcast right afterwards. And so I was keeping a mental list of just like what I liked about the Jazz game and what I didn't like, like what they needed to improve on. And so it was interesting to see how the list changed throughout the game. At the beginning, I was like, oh, the Jazz, like, they're really clicking. Like, the the only negative that I really saw from most of the first quarter was they their team defense wasn't really unified. Like, sometimes on closeouts, I would see two players going to closeout when they only needed one. And that left a Pelicans player wide open on the three-point line, so, like, that team unity defense. But other than that, the first quarter was awesome. But the second and third quarters, it was tough for me to find anything good about the Jazz game. But the fourth quarter, that's then I switched all my negatives to positives. So it's funny looking back at the game now that I can't find a ton of negatives to think about. That There's definitely some things that the Jazz need to improve on after watching this first game. 
Well, like you already mentioned, the biggest negative was the three-point shooting. And Quinn Snyder had talked about how what the Jazz were going to go do was go in and shoot threes. Like, we need to get more threes up. So the Jazz definitely went in with the mentality of let's get the threes up. And towards the end of the third, when they started going more towards the paint, and then definitely in the fourth, that's when you were able to see them um, just absolutely, you know, take back control of the game. And honestly, I felt like the biggest thing, there there are three plays that come to mind of what really turned the game around or had just a big impact. And it was the play when Joe Ingles got to the line for three um, free throws. The one where Donovan did the same. And then the one where Donovan took a really bad shot in the paint, but got to the line. And so while that's not my favorite style of basketball, the Jazz definitely did play smart to get to the line as much as they did tonight. Yeah, it was it was interesting because like Donovan Mitchell, as far as the eye test goes, his effort and like what he brought to that team as far as a leader, he like at least this game, he is by far like way ahead of every other player for the Jazz. He's the best leader, he's the best player, he gives the best effort. He may not he's not the best like one on one defender, he's not the best shooter. He may not even be the best finisher, even though I, I guess he is, but he might not. But everything that he brings to this team makes his teammates better. But it's interesting when, like, uh, looking at the eye test, I was seeing Donovan Mitchell, and I was like, like he wasn't scoring a ton, but I could tell like he was making his impact on the game. And then I and I was seeing Jordan Clarkson, where for a large portion of that game he was not hitting anything. It just felt like brick after brick from him. But then after the game, I went and looked at the box score, and Jordan Clarkson scored, what was it, like 23? And he he, he shot just under 50%. It was just his three-pointers weren't falling. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Clarkson like came in clutch, you know, which is something I think people were not, I don't think anyone's surprised um, with Bojan losing out on a lot of minutes, and by a lot, I mean all of his minutes. It definitely makes a lot more sense to see Jordan step into a bit more to be with the starters and to be able to um, like hold the team up. Um, when you look at the stats, he does have a plus minus of negative 15, which is a small issue. But looking at it, a lot of what he was able to do was, was keep the Jazz in the game. Um, he definitely was helped them just stay there and... One thing I saw from the Jazz, speaking about Donovan Mitchell's passing and stuff, is the Jazz were the Jazz were rusty on passing. I definitely saw a lot of lobs to the hoop, which I feel like are typically there. That um, instead of being right on the money, were way too high. So hopefully that's something that the Jazz can um, fix. Since I mean, if those four to five lobs were better, then Gobert sitting there with twenty points, you know. And the Jazz are a team who can base a good chunk of their offense off of lobs to the hoop because they have Rudy Gobert and they have Donovan Mitchell who they can both throw. They can, you can throw passes to them as an alley-oop. So. And it's super effective with Gobert. He's an awesome pick-and-roll man. I just wish he could jump a little bit higher, but I guess he's seven, what is he, like seven foot one, seven foot two, so I'll, I'll take that. Well, I right? mean, his... His reach is nine eleven. That's when gross. You put him on his tippy toes. He's grabbing on the rim. So 
he's still higher than everyone else. But I mean, in the end, though, like the Jazz pulled this off. Um, it was ugly, but they had a lot of heart and came back. Um, Conley scored twenty points, tied with Mitchell. Really big there. Um, his three point shooting was spotty, like the rest of them, but. I mean, that happens sometimes. You live and die by the three, and this was the first game back. So hopefully the players are going to improve on that. And uh, you mentioned, I don't know if it was last podcast, but it was a previous episode, how uh, because Bogdanovich is out, you said that the Jazz really need Conley to step up. And Conley didn't, he didn't have a huge night. He wasn't like like making everything happen. But he, he made his presence felt like, I there were very few times where I thought Conley wasn't doing what he was supposed to. I felt like he was always in the place that he needed to, like that he needed to be. He was making good passes. He was shooting the ball well. He finished with 20 points, four assists. So I like, I'm excited of how Conley is fitting in with the system. So we'll, we'll see how that continues and how Quinn Snyder goes to the drawing board and, and the next game uh, to change according to what he's learned from this from the Pelicans game tonight. Yeah, well, I, well, I don't want to like um, put, I mean, dig a grave for Conley. I do really think that these next seven games in the playoffs are really important for him. Since there's a very fair argument to be made that with Bojan getting the ball as much as he had, that it's made it a lot harder for Conley to be able to get in a rhythm and shine. Like, I think that's a fair argument. And so by taking Bojan out of the equation... And making him your number two, number three guy, um, he he really does need to step up, and I definitely think he did tonight. Um, like we said, hopefully the Jazz are hitting some more threes, but the biggest thing at this point was perseverance. I, that's what the Jazz needed. They needed to persevere after they got up big and then let it disappear in the second quarter, and just couldn't really gain any ground in the third. And I think it was great to see what they were able to do. Yeah, I I definitely think that is one of the biggest wins that we can take away from this game is the effort that the Jazz put forth. Like, uh, they didn't technically win the rebounding battle, I don't think, but the effort that they put forth on the rebounds was awesome. Like, when they kind of got into their rhythm on defense, they were putting a great effort out on defense. Uh, I, I felt like they didn't really feel comfortable on offense. They're still trying to figure out how that works without an extra shooter on the floor, but... It worked out. Um, I think that there's a lot that would we can be excited about for how the Jazz are going to perform for the rest of the season. But at the same time, um, I'm a little like there's a lot to be nervous about as well because I think if Zion Williamson played more minutes, if he played that those last three four minutes of the fourth quarter, I, it might have been a different result because. Like we saw how unstoppable he is and how efficient he is at scoring. He's he's not like the greatest defender, but on offense, uh, the Jazz don't really have anyone who can uh, defend him well. Yeah, and we definitely saw that with Fa- with Faves and with um, Ingram as well. That with those three players, they were just able to have a lot of control and able to score where they want, especially where Ingram's able to shoot the three like he is. So... um. I am interested to see once Zion starts getting more minutes, if he's able to, if that productivity scales, I don't, I don't think it can, but I don't think it'll drop off that much. So 
I mean, overall, I think the game was awesome. Um, what did you think about? I only have one complaint about what the NBA is doing, but what what did you think about the NBA and how they put this all together? Uh, just like the intro and keeping all of that, like, like keeping keeping more of the focus on the Black Lives Matter situation, so they don't take away. Oh, or, or wanna, is that what you're talking about? Or? If you want to talk about that, we can. No, I'm just talking about like oh. the game in general and like the fans and like the court. Well, but, that, that that's also definitely. part of it is the Black Lives Matter, because um, that's definitely a big change compared to a normal game. Um, I thought it was really well put together. Um, as far as the experience watching it on the TV versus watching a game in an, in the arena on a TV, um. I thought they did a good job at keeping it pretty similar. I like there's a few things that I don't love. The virtual fans I thought were just weird. I, I don't know why that's uh, a thing. I don't think it adds anything. I feel like it almost takes away. Um, and I I understand the phrases on the back of the jersey, like why the NBA did it, but I don't love it because there's some players coming off the bench, especially for other teams where I don't know who they are, and I want to know who's doing what in the game. So it's tough when the back of the jersey doesn't say their last name, but I can live with that one. That that one's yeah. like that one's not a, uh, a deal breaker for me. Yeah, and when Conley and Yang went and got haircuts, that definitely threw me <laughs> yeah. off. But I do, it definitely did remind me, like throughout the game, like seeing that on the back of the jerseys, it definitely reminded me and i'm interested to see how long it'll take for me just to glance over that since i feel like once something changes it does normalize but it definitely made me think more during the game um did you see the commercial with the split screen where it has the different sides Uh, yeah they did really great like towards the end it has like lebron and uh the women's soccer player that i'm blanking on her name right now yeah you know I knew her name, and then you said that, <laughs> and, and now I, I don't. I curse you. Um, yes, you did. Um, I, I really liked that commercial. Um, now I have to look it up. It starts with an R. I swear it does. The tough part is it's not like a normal name. So there's some like names that are unique that are easy to remember, but I feel like hers is like it's unique enough that it's kind of like you have to second guess yourself on how to pronounce it, which makes it tougher to remember, at least for me. Rapino, oh. Megan Rap- the, Rapino. That's, that commercial that's is actually is. playing on my TV right um, now. I, <laughs> oh it, no, I I really like that commercial. However, we do need to go back to my one complaint. The NBA app is sending me notifications slightly before my TV shows me what's happening. <laughs> I got that too. <laughs> So, I mean, it was fine. Like, the game was, like, 96-97. And then it's, like, close game, jazz up 98-97. And I'm, like, oh, okay. Like, I I, I knew that Mitchell was going to make that layup. However, and so I put my phone on silent and put it away since I'm, like, I, I don't want to find this out. So it gets down to the last possession. Gobert makes his two free throws. You know, they're, they're inbounding the ball. And my brother just says, oh, no. And he's looking at his phone and he had just got the notification. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, there are two different types of oh no's. There's like, oh dang it, I saw the score and just like kind of mad. And then the oh no he said was like, the oh no, I'm really depressed. 
So when Brandon Ingram put up the three-pointer, I'm like, ball game. And then it bricked, and that was the most... That surprised me so much since I I thought it was going in. So other than that one small complaint, I liked what the NBA was doing. I can see where the fans are kind of weird, but I think that that's a really cool opportunity to kind of like bring certain people in and like try to create a connection between the fans and the game a bit more. Um, As for there not being fans in the arena, like I didn't feel like I missed out a lot on the cheers. I felt like it was, I mean, I don't feel like the players changed a lot. Like I don't feel like the game was significantly altered. Um, I mean, you could argue it's really hard to come back down from 16 on the road. And the Jazz came back down from 16 on what would have been a game in New Orleans. But I also think because of that, this might be one of the truest NBA champions we ever we see. I mean, there's so many problems. And if COVID strikes, then maybe it won't be. But you're not going to be able to say, oh, well, the travel. Oh, well, this. Like These are fresh teams coming in and on a very level playing field. So that's actually something that excites me a lot. Yeah, the like the NBA should try to push that point because I know the NBA is really scared about having this championship be like an asterisk championship. So they should start paying ESPN to cover that that side of the story more. You know, I mean, looking at how much it costs to well, let's be honest though. ESPN pays you know, sports leagues to broadcast their games. So why would we pay ESPN for that? Well, and the NBA, like, I'm pretty sure they have a uh, pretty solid control over what ESPN reports about at the NBA. Like, it, it feels like there's never really, like, like bad stuff said about the organization of the NBA, except for, like, a specific team, like the Suns or the Knicks. But as far as, like, where Adam Silver does, like, there's very little negative coming from there. And that might just be because he's doing an excellent job. But I feel like they do have a little bit control over what ESPN is saying. Oh, I I doubt I, I doubt it. Just because, like, you know, you have Roger Goodell and everyone on the end. Like, I just feel like the NBA handles things a lot better. Like the end like the reason that we've never heard anything about kneeling in the NBA is because the NBA handled it eternally internally and they talked to players and got things spread away and set it up so that people weren't going to kneel and you can question the ethics of that but i'm sure if i remember correctly the nba said that they were going to do things off the court and they set up things and they made agreements with the players association which is a lot easy to do when you have 450 players on active throughout the nba than whatever 55 times 32 is i don't feel apt to do that (laughs) in my head um it's definitely a lot easier to do and I just feel like the NPA has a lot better, better PR. So if you're not making public mistakes, you're just not going to get reported on. Yeah, that's true. Back to the Pelicans game. The Jazz, the thing is, looking at the schedule, I feel like that was the Jazz's second easiest game. Um, because their next game is the Thunder. Then they have the... Let me... Oh, let me make sure I'm reading this. So it's Thunder, Lakers, Grizzlies, Spurs, Nuggets... Mavericks, and then the last... Oh, they have two games against the Spurs. So, the Spurs, they should beat the Spurs both times. They should, but... That's... They should. But I think they're 0-2 against the Spurs so far this year. But they should beat the Spurs both times. 
Yeah. The I think the Spurs are a little bit hurt. I I think I'd have to I'm not I haven't been following other teams very closely, but I don't think the Spurs have a ton of motivation right now and they're kind of injured, so I I don't know how Pop is feeling about all this. And depending on how things are going on the 13th, like that'll really impact it. Will the Jazz winning actually impact their seeding? Are the Spurs actually in contention? Um, which I don't think is going to happen. I think the two teams that shouldn't have bothered showing up are the Spurs and the Suns. Um, would be super exciting if they proved me wrong, but they're just too far out of it, and it's too competitive between the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. And then the other team that has a chance would be the Trailblazers, but I still don't think that's going to work itself out. But overall, exciting way to start the season. Um, Probably not going to stay up for the Clippers-Lakers game, but that'll be a blast to you know start off with that rivalry and um, possible Western Conference Finals matchup. So, you know, I think as a Jazz fan, there are things to be worried about, but you know right now it's just a time to be happy and thrilled that basketball is back and that we're 1-0 in this push for the playoffs. Yeah, it's good. It was a great start. I'm excited for the season to go on. At the end of the day, no matter how the Jazz record goes on, like let's just enjoy basketball. Like It's been gone for so long, so as much as it's fun to root for your team, we hope the Jazz do great, but if they don't, enjoy it while it's here because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We hope it, we get the season next year, but I'm, I'm excited. That's a great way to start the season off. Yeah, super excited for the rest of it. We'll see you guys next week. Enjoy this weekend slate of games, and let's hope for some more Jazz victories to talk about. <laughs>